Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. To fifth and national this week on Urban Spelunking, talking about the soon-to-be former headquarters of Milwaukee Ballet. Yeah, they've been there a long time. They've been there since 1981. So their operations are all centered in this building. They do the rehearsals there, their costumes, everything, ballet. Their, their offices are there, right? They have a school there. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of activity packed into this historic building. It's bustling. And that's that's really sort of part of the problem for them is that they've sort of long since outgrown this building. So what's the plan? They're going to build this new construction headquarters, right, in the Third Ward? Yeah, and that's, that's coming along. You know, I stopped there just before the holidays, um, and the walls are up on the outside, and they're working on the inside. And... Um, and where's that going to be? It is going to be on Jackson Street, like at the end of the, do you know where the Italian Community Center yeah. has the huge parking lot? It's yeah. sort of at the south end of the parking lot. They bought part of that parking lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah, it just is across from along. the Summerfest offices, basically. Yeah. If you've, even last year, it was up during Summerfest, parts of it were up. People could see it being built then. So that's what's in store for for the Milwaukee Ballet's future. And it's going to be a massive upgrade for them. There's going to be, their offices will all be in one area together, whereas now they're kind of split up. Their number of studios that they have available for the school and for their own rehearsals is going to double. They're going to, for the first time, effectively have parking of any kind. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just street parking. Um, it's really going to be a major upgrade for them. Yeah, and I, for me, it's just pretty impressive that since 1981, everything that the Milwaukee Ballet has accomplished and you know the profile that it's built for itself all really centered out of this building in, in Walker's Point. Yeah, like a two-story building that, I mean, it's, you know, fairly big for some things, but for, you know, has, as big as they've gotten it, it just has not served them. Uh, they'd like to open a boutique where they could sell ballet-related stuff, which they can do at the new place. They can't do where they are now. They'll have a ticket office at the new place, so it really gives them new opportunity where they're going. But it's bittersweet for them because they've been there for a really long time on Fifth and National, and they're a little bit sad about leaving. Yeah, this is the original home, I suppose. And anytime you got to leave your your home, it's kind of sad. Yeah. Um, and you know, who knows what the future might hold for this building? So this this used to be a, a Schlitz building, a Tide House. Yeah, it was built in 1902 by the Schlitz Brewing Company as a Southside Palm Garden. They had the Schlitz Palm Garden downtown on Third in Wisconsin, which was a huge attraction, right? Yeah, and it was attached to the Schlitz Hotel, and it was incredibly popular. And if you see pictures of it, it's got these beautiful sort of skylit ceiling with. Palm trees, literally mm -hmm. palm trees in it, big open beer hall, and it was so popular they decided to have one on the south side, so they built this building. They hired uh, Charles Kirchhoff, who did all their tied houses and did the downtown Palm Garden, um, and he did this two-story Cream City brick building with some sort of neoclassical details outside, and then inside he recreated, it was smaller than downtown, but it recreated the the skylit roof and the, and the Palm Garden atmosphere. In there, plus it had bowling alleys in the basement, and there was a hall that people could rent, and there was some office space um, that was for rent. It was an entertainment venue for Schlitz, but also sort of an investment property in that they created these office spaces and things that they could rent out. It sounds like income. it was so cool. I mean, what else do you need? You got your 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 bar room, you got your bowling. Exactly. I mean, it's like talk about Milwaukee uh, Milwaukee entertainment of that era. Yeah, and I think it was doing a pretty booming business until Prohibition came along and sort of put the kibosh on that. Did it ever fully recover from Prohibition? Was it? Did it reopen as a? Yeah, people reopened the tavern afterward, and the, also the the spaces. A lot of the spaces fronting National Avenue had been split up into retail stores that were seemed to always be occupied, at least for a 
quite a while. Yeah, looking at the laundry list of, uh, of businesses that had been in the space, it sounds like it had been a number of different things. Yeah, loads. Well, the history goes back, like you said, way back to the 19, what, 1902? 1902, yeah. Yeah, so obviously lots of history in those in those walls. We're going to talk more about the history and then what the future might hold for this building next on Urban Spelunking. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. And we're back at the Palm Garden. Okay, you might not know exactly where the Palm Garden is because it's no longer there. That's right. <laughs> but this was uh, such a, a cool-looking building on the city's south side. Fifth the National, uh, soon to be the former home of the Milwaukee Ballet. They just had everything there. We talked about some of the features inside. And how long was it, this Schlitz Tide House? It stayed that way until Prohibition. Yeah, but it made it 30 years. Yeah, and there was a tavern in there after. It just wasn't owned by Schlitz anymore. Yeah, and you just think about any, I mean, I suppose when you have Schlitz behind it, it helps. But just any business that lasts even 30 years is, is still a pretty big accomplishment. This, yeah. was, this was definitely a neighborhood destination. Yeah, and then over the years, the, the bu- it wasn't like the building was empty at any point. There were always stores in the storefronts and offices were being rented. And, um, and as I say, after Prohibition, the bar reopened. Um, so it was active, and even in through the end of the seventies, it was it was active with various businesses, in fact, you know, clothing factories. It was used as a warehouse. I mean, it had all kinds of different uh, lives until nineteen eighty. There was a fire. Basically, the interior of their building was destroyed, but luckily, the outside was still standing. Um, and it sat like that a little while until a company stepped forward and said they were willing to buy it and renovate it. Um, because it was, I mean, the the train was kind of already going down the tracks to demolish it right yeah yeah so these people stepped in and uh, a company out of madison uh and then they secured the ballet as a as a tenant for it and so it got fixed up and then you know the ballet at some point bought it and has been there ever since since 1981 they had been in the carpenter building downtown which no longer exists and when you look at the outside you could still see that schlitz emblem on the front that was one of the few things that almost didn't survive like right. the, the one of the architects who worked on uh, restoring the building said that the exterior of the building was in remarkably good condition considering the industrial nature of the neighborhood for a long time and just the, the fire and all sorts of other things. But the one thing that he said had to be replaced was part of that Schlitz globe. So they went they went for it and repaired this thing by hand. Yeah, yeah. And I think they realized that part of the, the cachet of the building was the fact that it had been this Schlitz Tivoli Palm Garden. So they really wanted to save that kind of that medallion. Do you ever hear from people that remember, have memories of this as as the Palm Garden? I mean, that'd be going way far. Yeah, not there's back. anyone around who remembers it as the Palm Garden, but, 30s, but when yeah. I did post the article on Facebook, a woman said that her uncle owned the bar that was in there at some point later. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So even, it's just so interesting that a building that's this old in Milwaukee, I mean, we, we talk about it, write about it today, and it still sparks these memories of people from, from yeah. the city. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, the ballet loves this building. You, you know, they... You go there and you can tell they're, it's like somebody who's lived in a house for a really long time. Yeah. Everything, it's it's tight, but everything has its place. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, they, definitely. Like you can tell that they're comfortable there, but it's also like those uh, home makeover shows where, you know, the was it love it or... <laughs> love it or list it. Or list it, right? <laughs> You're right. You, you know, once you get in there and you start talking to them, you can see you walk down the hall, it's super narrow. They got the costume shop there, but they have to store the costumes in the hallway, which and is they really, make they make all of their own costumes. Make, it's incredible to see that. And they do their costume laundry there, and there are places where their company dancers 
rehearse there. And the, the only lounges they have are these like little areas right outside the rooms that have some couches kind of crammed in because that's that's all they got. And part of their staff is their administrative staff is upstairs in the back, part is downstairs in the front. So they don't really have this. It's not very good for collaborating and and that sort of thing. Um, also, there's studios upstairs above the offices. So the people who work in those administrative offices have to hear tapping over on top of their heads all day long. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just, I bet, yeah. You know, and, and the only parking they have of any kind is some staff parking along the back of the building, like crammed into a little alley kind of space that maybe has eight or ten spots. Yeah. Um, which can't presumably even be enough for the number of people that work there. So for the organization, it's probably it's really, a, a great thing they're moving on. Yeah, I think I bittersweet. mean I, it is bittersweet, and it's sweet in that they're going to be thrilled to have this kind of state-of-the-art new facility. But you know, sad because they really they've been in Walker's Point since long before what's going on in Walker's Point now has been going on. I mean, they, yeah. they remained committed to it for decades. Um, when there was a long time when they were really kind of the only thing going on in that intersection to bring people from out of the neighborhood into the neighborhood. Um, and they have a scholarship for people to come to the ballet school who live in that zip code, 53204. And even though they're going to become 53202ers, they're going to keep the 53204 connection and keep the scholarship. Oh, nice. And so they want to remain connected to the neighborhood. Yeah, definitely respecting the roots. Yeah. So did you get a sense for what's next? I mean, it's what's kind of unique for the ballet is that they own this building, right? So yeah. when, they're, when they're selling it, they're they're definitely keeping that in mind for their, you know, for the business, for the organization. Um, but what, you know, did you, did you get a sense for next steps? No, because as of, as of when we're recording this, they they have not listed it, but they've said they're going to list it. Okay. So that's sort of the next step is to, is to basically tell the world it's for sale and then see who comes knocking at the door. Um, you know, they're in sort of a, a tough position because they, they've said they would like it to be, they'd like to sell it to somebody who would bring value to the neighborhood of some kind, you know, like do something great with this building that would benefit not just that sort of main intersection there of Fifth and National, but for the whole neighborhood. But on the other hand, they're a nonprofit. Like every nonprofit, they got they need to Yeah. They need money, right? Right. Especially an arts nonprofit that Absolutely, right. Yeah. And who'd begrudge them that? So I mean they have to sort of balance the the reality of what they need with what they hope to have happen. But I think, you know, they're serious enough about their commitment to the neighborhood that I don't, they will consider offers pretty carefully. And I mean, just talk about a, a part of town that we've seen so much growth in, Fifth and National. That whole stretch of Fifth Street has has uh, really seen a lot of life lately. Fuel Cafe, uh, Hotel Madrid. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the Iron Horse, which is not technically Fifth, but just right up the road. I think a lot of that really kind of derives from them being there, too, because, you know, you go down there at night, you know, the lights are blazing in that entire building because those studios are being used by their own company and by students in the school. If you were looking to invest in this neighborhood, you saw that there and you saw that great institution making a commitment and a long-lived commitment to this neighborhood, and that told you something about what you were investing in, I think. Well, we're going to be watching the uh, not only their new home, but also... Who's going to be lucky enough? Who's going to be lucky enough to take over this old building when Maybe that time comes? Maybe we should comes? buy it. Yeah, let's buy a building, Bobby. Why not? Let's, <gasps> let's take the yes. Urban Spelunkin thing. We could reopen a Palm Garden. Hey, there you go. We Perfect. could broadcast live. <laughs> we'll do this live from there. All right, all right. Well, that's settled. Done. Done. <laughs> Podcasts in eighty-eight-nine are produced by Kenny Perez with uh, handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. We get support for 889's podcast from your membership, of course, and from On Milwaukee. You can subscribe to this and all of 889's podcasts at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts on iTunes or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo. Thank you. Thanks, Nate.